packing our bags and heading off into the sunset, or the sunrise. I'm flying east, so I'm heading into the sunrise. Uh, Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 315 of Hand of Pod. I am Sub Forgetting how to say my own name. That was embarrassing. Let's try that again. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 314 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. And by Tony. Hello. Hello again, Tony. Um... Welcome to the episode. This is the last episode we'll be recording in person uh, for a little while because, as most of you regular listeners will be able to remember, well, I would hope that all of you will be able to remember actually because I've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm off on holiday this Saturday. Uh, we will probably be recording via Skype, probably with English down, um, while I'm away. So there will still be a couple of episodes. They won't be weekly, um, and I'll be back at the end of November. So enjoy me while you can. Uh, the results for the weekend just gone involved only 10 matches. It was like an old-fashioned Argentine Primera weekend with, with 10 games of football. Nice throwback. This is because there were three matches rained off. Well, actually, sorry, there were two matches rained off um, and one match which had already been postponed on Saturday afternoon. Uh, you might remember that last week I, Mystic Liam pointed this out and none of us knew why that was. Uh, it, I looked it up afterwards. It was because Rosario Central... Uh, held club elections on Sunday and they had asked for that match against uh, home to San Martín de San Juan to be postponed um, to simplify the security um, arrangements that they had to make at the weekend, basically. Um, so anyway, Independiente and Tigre drew 0-0 in Avellaneda on Friday night. Uh, also on Friday night, Lanús hosted River Plate and got twatted 5-1 um, by River's largely reserved team um, after taking quite an early lead as well. On Saturday, the only game that ended up taking place was Argentinos versus Racing, which I was at, and it finished in a 2-0 li- uh, win for the league leaders, Racing. Um, Estudiantes versus Newells and San Lorenzo versus Atletico Tucumán were the two matches rained off on Saturday. That was because of a very powerful storm which swept over in the early hours of Saturday. Um by the time Argentinos Racing kicked off at 8 o'clock at night, the, the pitch had been able to drain, but the other two games were a bit too early to allow that to happen. On Sunday, there was a full programme, though. Patronato beat Tacheres 2-1 in Paraná to record their first win of the season, I think I'm right in saying, off the top of my head. And second match in which they score goals. Yes, second straight game in which they managed to score, so well done, Patronato. Union beat Gimnasia La Plata 1-0 in Santa Fe. Belgrano beat Huracan uh, sorry no they didn't Belgrano lost to Huracan in Cordoba 1-0 Boca Juniors beat Colón 3-1 in the Bombonera uh, to get back to winning ways after a a fairly poor week for them because they after losing the Super Classico last weekend they then went out of the Copa Argentina to Gimnasia um, in midweek and then on Monday there were three games for some reason Uh, Godoy Cruz 0 Defensive DCR 1 in Mendoza 
very good win for Defence Eagles this year because Godoy Cruz was something like 11 or 9 or 11 games. Um, I remember it's an odd number. Can't remember whether it was 9 or 11. Uh, unbeaten at home. Um, Vélez Sarsfield beat Aldo Civi 2-0 in Linieres and San Martín de Tucumán were heading for their very first win of the season and then Banfield popped up with a late equaliser. I think it was the 88th minute uh, to claim a 1-1 draw. Um, main talking points, guys, from the weekend? Well, I suppose that Boca winning again against Colón. The Colón, it's not maybe the, the strongest team on on, <laughs> on the universe, but they, they were doing okay. There's, they still have the run in Copa Sudamericana to to think about, but also you you have um, some tweaks on the Boca Juniors team, especially the reappearance of Chino Perusi that <laughs> was lost in the Casa Marisha training ground and appear again to have a very good game, decent game. I know how to, how to put out a performance, but it was better than most of the Boca Juniors um, fans will remember Perusi yeah. from their previous stint. It was. The midfield looked um, pretty decent as well. I thought Julian Chico, mm-hmm. with two Cs, um, is not a player I've seen an awful lot of, but I was quite impressed with him. He didn't do anything spectacular, but what he did do... He, did with a lot of um, competence, mm-hmm. let's say, which yeah, hasn't that, been the case for Boca players all yeah. the way through this season. They, they looked like the injured players, and that they had, they have tomorrow, for example, the, the very important match against Cruzeiro for Copa Libertadores. Uh, made Guillermo to include players that uh, hadn't been uh, taken into account in the last matches. Chico wasn't even I think in the subs bench uh, recently. Well, uh, of course, also Perusi, the the one who uh, he mentioned, uh, just just mentioned, and uh, there is a problem there because uh, unless there uh, Farini plays tomorrow as a in a certain eleven uh, as a right back, in the case of Perusi, was was totally surprised because uh, he was was he training in the, with the reserves or uh, alone? How, how, what, how, what yeah, was he was like separated from from the entire team actually. Uh, Why was this? He was just froze, you know. Mm. Like, no, no, no real apparent reason. Also, you may take into account that he, he, he wasn't available to play in the Copa Libertadores, for example. So, uh, just a tactical reason, I suppose, and just preference from other players. Of course, this this is because also because Hara is is, is injured too. So uh, they had only, only I say only, uh, ironically, two right backs. As Boca has uh, has been signing a lot of players for every position, but as uh, apparently the right back, Hara injured, and the, the three competitions now they have two because they were are out of Copa Argentina. Made Guillermo uh, do this, to do this, the, to to perhaps uh, bring back players that were frozen or were. Uh, Apart from the from the professional <coughs> team, and yes, uh, perhaps Peruzzi proved that he could be um, or could have more minutes than he had, which were, were zero minutes or well, no he, minutes. He could be a good rotation option um, in some point, but also it, it it makes you think of the uh, the decision making of of the Guillermo and Gustavo uh, with the squad because. We can all agree that Perus is not awful. He might have a, a, a bad season, 
and he was battered by every every Boca fan and and, and was uh, loaned out to Nacional de Montevideo and that 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 make you think if if was really necessary to spend that, that amount of money on on players when you have a capable player that you could uh, recover which is working out and put the, the confidence back in, in, in the player and, and grow uh, their their own confidence to play and, and not just necessarily buy because it's possible to buy and you have the money to do it um, and now you have the, the, the two players or two positions that you have to think about you have the goalkeeper situation that is still going on with the possible um, signing of, of Pedro Gachese the, the, the Peru goalkeeper um uh, and and, and well, try I'm to Christian Lampe is it's now the option. Other. Okay, yeah. I didn't got that one. But apparently, if, if uh, apparently it's, it's still done, if assuming that they go through on Thursday evening, um, Lampe is, is going to be coming in. Who is the goalkeeper from? I can't remember which club he plays for in Bolivia. Well, but why would you have to sing a player to 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 do the, something that clearly Ross is capable to do? Maybe it's not. Uh, David you'd, be com- you'd be confident of winning the Libertadores with Rossi in goal. Yeah, but I, I think that I mean I take the point that it wouldn't necessarily be any less confident of winning it with him than with Lampe. But um, but I you think that with Andrade and Rossi, Boca could win Copertores. But with Rossi and Lampe, it's the same situation that mm. Rossi and the kid that was behind him. I think it's no really. Uh, uh, extra value for Boca Lampe Christian Lampe he's, he's a good shot stopper from what we've seen of him in the Libertadores and the Sudamericana you know we're not saying he's a bad goalkeeper but yeah I mean. but no it's, uh, much better than Rossi I think mm. or, but you think well but let's sign Christian Lampe or well if not Galese Marcos Diaz is, uh, is out of the question yeah out of the okay well if you say let's get Lampe just to be the substitute <coughs> Natural substitute of uh, Rossi. If we have the bad luck that Rossi, uh, yeah, but I don't think you're gonna sign a player for 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 games and make him a substitute. Well, I, I agree. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. you don't do it. You keep which, Rossi. Which is and why the Diaz thing I think fell through because Boca apparently listened to Hand Pog because I think I said a couple of weeks ago, and if not, <laughs> I certainly said on Twitter um, that if I were in Barcelona's position, I would have been trying to get a. a give Huracan a fee for a very short term loan for Marcos Diaz but Huracan wanted to, su- to sell him because he's going to be available on a free transfer in January um, so they wanted money for him straight yeah. away and to get rid of him um, yeah I think yeah, that's sorry we, we were interrupting anyway so yeah no, no don't worry um, I think that the problem with, with, with Guillermo I think he's not confident enough to make decisions or uh, choose wisely and you, you can you can tell by the, the, the selection and, and the decision making during the games and, and the changes and, and tactical um, approach. So he's not confident on his job. He knows that if he doesn't win the Libertadores, he might be out of the uh, of a job mm. in Boca Juniors. So he's trying money out to the to, to the wall. You know, it's, it's like the, the Hollywood thing that you put ideas on the wall and see what stick. Uh, and you could have Rossi. Develop Rossi, develop the confidence in Rossi to maybe you understand and know that he might do some blunter. But we saw it recently, even the World Cup winner goalkeeper made mistakes. So you 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 can uh, crucify a goalkeeper for doing mistakes. Even Perusi, if you 
instead of buying, if you could say, okay, I trust in you, I trust in you, Gina, but also you do the job and, and train and show me that you can play and clearly uh, show us that he can. Obviously, he can have bad games, of course, but... Uh, Even Peruzzi, uh, or, or Farini, I, I don't <coughs> think he proved to be much better than Peruzzi. Uh, and you have Peruzzi frozen and, and Buffarini being the uh, immediate or, or the, the natural replacement for, for Hara. Uh, <coughs> okay. um, so, yes, it's something that has to do with the confidence and the way you choose players and why you, you put someone, some, someone, some players out of the, even the professional squad mm -hmm. and others as well uh, to to discuss or to dis or, or to be the, the 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 starting eleven player and the substitute and you prove or or Peruzzi proved that he could even fight with with Buffarini to be the the the, the back of 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 Cara. Uh, so yes, it has to do with the decisions and, and the way they made them, and I think that they don't are uh, they don't uh, do it wisely because uh, now Rossi is being. Uh, well, stood by by by. At least I, I heard supporters uh, 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 with an applause to, to 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 Rossi. Of course, unless he makes a mistake. When he makes a mistake, he unless he makes uh, the, 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 the yes, when he makes a mistake, uh, another mistake, the, perhaps people will uh, again whistle. But uh, yes, of course, if you are all the time telling Rossi, look, we are going for a goalkeeper. It's obvious that you won't ever have that, that confidence and he will be under pressure and for a goalkeeper it's terrible. Yep. Uh, yeah, well, the main thing for a goalkeeper is to tell them, okay, you are my starter and you are the sub and, and be clear with the goalkeeper. I think it's, it's, it's vital because if you start rotating on the goalkeeper and just uh, trying to, to... You can see it, for example, with, with, with Sergio Romero. Sergio Romero was in Manchester United or whatever he was playing, always being the substitute and the second choice goalkeeper. But he knows because every um, uh, Argentinian manager told him, you are my goalkeeper. And he, he showed that confidence on, 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 on under the sticks to, to do that because he knew he was the number one. But Rossi doesn't know he's the number one. Mm. And that obviously is going to play in your mind. Is it also uh, possible to apply that a similar argument, I guess, to managers? Because after the Copa Argentina defeat to Gimnasia, the Barça Quilotto uh, twins stayed out on the bench, talking in view of a few cameras and um, and whatnot uh, for fifteen or twenty minutes. And by the time they went back into the dressing room, the players had all already changed and were getting back on the coach basically to leave. Um, and there was a lot of talk about what they were discussing, about whether they're thinking about leaving Boca, whether they were going to resign right there and then, which they didn't. Um, how, how secure are their jobs? I mean, you mentioned that if they don't win the Libertadores, then that could be it. But if, if they get eliminated tomorrow, yeah, I, okay, it's very unlikely, obviously, that they're, they're 2-0 up in the first leg. But if Cruzeiro managed to turn it around, is, is that it straight away for them? or He, he may have the platform to 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 stay until the, the end of the Superliga maybe maybe but mm, I, I the guess end of the Superliga or yeah. the end of the year maybe the end of the year yeah right. yeah I think it's, that's more likely um, but because they they know that they, they got good results there the, the 
two time champions and and they know that they are um, wanted uh, abroad because they have that that blunder in in Italy that they lasted like a few days mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that they know given the results the confidence in the player the the very the, the, the many situations uh, around the, the Boca Juniors dressing room that, that's been uh, part of the Boca war for a couple of years now that maybe the, 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 the time is coming to an end so I think they know in a way that maybe they're starting to figure it out if they have to leave sometime soon I suppose yeah um, Boca as we say on Thursday evening are in action in their second leg um, against Cruzeiro one rather controversial decision from the first leg of that match was the sending off of Didi or Gigi or however the hell you pronounce it um, which led to Esteban Andrada being injured and, and led to the whole discussion about the goalkeepers that we just had a minute ago mm -hmm. um, Comnibol announced last week after we recorded slightly annoyingly um, that they were going to overturn the Didi suspension which just makes another controversial decision to add to all of the controversial decisions that Comebol have already made in this Libertadores because Comebol's own rules state quite clearly that the referee's decision on all disciplinary matters is final and that once the referee's decision has been made the suspensions are made on the basis of that and Comebol can't act to reverse any of them mm -hmm. they have done precisely this which obviously Boca are not particularly pleased about I guess, I don't know whether Comebol feel that they have to throw a bone to a Brazilian club because they're getting it in the neck from so many Brazilian yeah. clubs or what, but it's it's a strange situation. What would happen if Cruzeiro won 3-0 with the, the goal? Yeah. That would, be, that would be like a movie. Well, it would be amazing. It's time for them to perhaps say, well, all of the players that were suspended are all able to play and we are starting now with a new system, reliable system, that if a player is is suspended, you will have the possibility to check there, and it will be okay and will be reliable. That if he says that your player is available to be, to play, that means that he's not suspended, mm. which is of course uh, the, the, the obvious. Uh, it's it's the obvious thing because if, if you say if I, I check the system and it says it's okay, no, but it's, it wasn't. Uh, he was suspended, and you must know that. But how can I know? That's why the system is, is created for. Well, that's a discussion, and, and uh, now referees' decisions in the in the uh, in, in the matches, inside the matches are also controversial. And uh, well, uh, you install the bar and you don't check the bar, and then well, it's all 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 at Comebol is like this now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just one other one one more complication, as I say, no. Quite a ridiculous season for the Libertadores and, and overall. Sorry, but and it's even more hilarious when the referee and of course I am talking about River against Independiente <laughs> says, "Okay, uh, be careful because he hits the bar." Be he he says the players that they, to be careful and not to grab one one each other or to hold uh, the, their t-shirts because I can check the bar now. I think this come back to what we discussed in previous uh, in a previous episode that. I think the bar is a good is a good tool. We we saw that in the World Cup, but I think that both Conmebol and the referees um, are not ready yet to use it because that's clearly not something you sh you're supposed to do. Like uh, tell the players, okay, be careful. I can I can rewatch the the, the 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 play now. 
makes makes no sense. And again, that um, uh, perception from the public that you, if you check the bar, you have to reverse your call in the first place. I think I, I, we're not ready in South America to 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 take the bar seriously and. I saw on Twitter today. Maybe surely we will have this discussed later about the 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 game in the Libertadores that occurred last night. But I saw many many people in in on Twitter saying, "Oh, oh we went rough even with the bar." Like, okay, you may have a point, but not every decision, even if the bar is applied, it's a robbery. I mean, maybe the yes. someone saw something and he was still thinking, or or. or or sure of what they saw. I, I have the. I have the. Uh, the the I, other thing with the so let's let's yes, okay. talk about last night. Yes. Right? Well, sorry, Andres. No, no I think that if you are a big team supporter, you, you and, and you uh, uh, complain. Well, it's 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 funny because uh, in the case of Independiente, of course, that that play in which Pinola uh, kicks uh, Benitez, the referee should have watched it. And perhaps he, if he had watched it, he. Uh, will have awarded the penalty, and then we we should have seen whether the the, the penalty was uh, ended in a goal or not. And but um, in the beginning they scored one goal in four matches against Santos. Of course, you have the three nil Conmebol that Conmebol uh, gave them yeah. uh, gave because of the, the Carlos Sanchez bad in, uh, inclusion. But if, if you go to the matches, the pitch and the, the and the and the game itself. They score one goal in four matches in the quarterfinals under a round of 16. So if you 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 or, or supporters never uh, take into account these things, they also they always uh, the first thing they say when there is a play in which they were not benefit that they were robbed or they they, they yeah they always place the victim in in this situation. San Lorenzo the same thing they they were for example against uh, uh, Godoy Cruz that they lost in the last last minute. Where we were silly, we were uh, we gave the ball to Gold Cruz and we should have uh, uh, taken it. And but and not not saying that they were bad or they were playing bad. Uh, the most important thing is how you play. Mm -hmm. And Independiente, well, they they try to perhaps uh, grab a uh, block river and then uh, attack uh, via counter attack. And, and and it was obvious that their their way of playing was that. But again, if you score one goal in four matches, well, I think that yeah, he I mean, yeah, I think you cannot argue, even if uh, mentally the, the, the game was um, there's a, a before and after. If you don't get that penalty, maybe it plays in your head. But you can see overall, in, 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 even if you don't take into account those games, even just the 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 first leg and the second leg that. Clearly, Independiente wasn't superior to River. Um, I, I think River was a fair winner, even taking into account that maybe they could have they could have scored another goal with a penalty because you you can have the penalty, but you didn't know if you will score it anyway. So that's a, that's something hypothetical, you know. Um, so, but again, I think that every the, the normal, the normal, or the average uh, uh, supporter in, in in South America always plays the victim in these situations and feels that they are robbed, that they are against them. And again, we we, we brought that uh, on on the table in a couple of episodes back when we would talk that 
uh, River play, thinks the Comebol is for for Boca, and Boca play, thinks that River is the, the the benefit of Comebol, and Brazilian uh, clubs thinks Argentinians are the are, are doing something to to be beneficial of of um, Comebol is doing something for Argentinian teams. So. And River supporters have complained uh, last year against Lanús because yeah, they the suffered the same day they didn't suffer last night. And it's, that is all the time. It's uh, when you are, of course, uh, robbed, you, you think you're robbed, you complain. When you are benefit, you don't say nothing. It's you nothing, nothing, yeah, of the, course. The other, the other thing with the idea of the robbery is that I, I didn't see the Pinole incident. Uh, I didn't manage to watch a fair sort of chunk. So I, mean, I had the game on, but I was distracted for quite a large part of the first half. Um, and when I saw the replays at half time, I thought, I mean, really, that's what seemingly every single person on my Twitter timeline was so convinced was a definite nailed on red card and penalty. And there was not one person who was saying, no, I don't think it was actually. I mean, I'm not saying that it, I, I definitely wouldn't have given it if I were the ref as well, but the reaction on social media. Yeah, the media, outcry, yeah. Um, completely ignores the presence of any grey areas I think um, and I thought there were quite there was quite a big grey area in that Pinola one most notably the fact that he was sliding at some speed whilst trying to clear the ball well in fact whilst succeeding in clearing the ball and putting it out of the stadium almost um, before colliding with the guy yeah it was an unfortunate collision and all the rest of it but um, I saw certain parallels in, in Dede and, and Andrada the exception being Pinola actually got the ball and Dede didn't um, and everybody was absolutely convinced that Dede's sending off there was ridiculous as well. So it's sort of... Yes. The, the other thing is that the VAR is only allowed to intervene in situations like that. The VAR is only allowed to intervene where there's been a really clear mistake by the referee. So presumably the VAR did review that and then and didn't that, disagree with the ref. Also the difference there is that Dede was with his, his head and apparently wanted to head the ball. Mm. Uh, and you never go intentionally to head, uh, put your head into other rival's head. Yeah, uh, and you, with your feet, it's normal to want it to be to have the intention to tackle or to kick uh, a rival, even when you say you don't. Uh, yeah, that's I think the difference. Oh no, he was he couldn't even did he couldn't even uh, be have the intention that uh, to hit Andrada with his head. I don't think he he did, but uh, I think that that's the difference. No one thinks no he wanted to head Andrada. Yeah. Um, controversies aside, as we've just mentioned, River are through to the semi-final of the Copa Libertadores. Um, it was, as Tony said, a, a pretty convincing win. Aside from that um, debate over refereeing decisions, and, and also aside from Independiente having a more legitimate goal disallowed in stoppage time um, when the ball cannon back off the crossbar, mm-hmm. and Emmanuel Gigliotti did very, very well. <laughs> to control it with his thigh and not to handball it as we've just seen because we've just been watching the replay of the game actually um, before back healing it to a, a teammate who tucked it into the net but the referee decided that Gigliotti had handballed it um, and as such the goal was not allowed um, it was so late on that it probably wouldn't have made a difference really but um, that happened um, there was a really nice goal from Rafael Santos Borre mm-hmm. which was a, the end of a wonderful team move and a very I, nice finish I remember my my, my comments uh, mm. When they, they 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 played the first leg, they said Santos Borreo had the the curacy yes. of a blind monkey, and yeah. he he remember remembers me and said, "Okay, I'm gonna put it on the top corner." Indeed, and he, said, um, and he did it. <laughs> Fernando Quintero scored again. 
again from open play as well. So he's, he's actually starting to score goals as well as set them up for Reba now. Um, after coming off the bench, I think. Yeah. Yes. Again. Against Lorenzo, against Lorenzo, he was in the from the beginning, and in this time he has most of the matches. Uh, came from the from the bench, which is, th- of course, it's uh, something that has to do with strategy, with Gallardo uh, thinking or knowing or thinking that he can be more de- decisive in the last minutes, uh, being fresh, and the other players not being that fresh, mm. because of course, not not it's not a coincidence that his gold, his nickname, nickname. I know how to say it in English. Perhaps the ba- the big bat. Nalgon is the, is the yeah fat ass basically yeah well, fat ass fatty. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah and that has to do with his physical of course and he's like that it's not that he's fat because he eats a lot his physical naturally is like that mm. but Gallardo knows or, or thinks that or manages Quintero to be there in the minutes that he thinks he can be decisive and he's right apparently mm-hmm. because of the results uh, and and this happens with a lot of players like Borre because we all we all thought oh Santos Borre come on with the heading, header he missed uh, the, the, the first leg and now he's he assists Coco then he scores then he ri- uh, runs uh, rivals uh, and and uh, he he was able to be in the starting lineup when Scoco and uh, and Mora no were injured. Well, there were uh, mm-hmm. injuries that uh, Bor- uh, let Borre be in the first in first place, and and well, somehow Gallardo uh, gets the best from the players in the moments he wants from them. Yeah, that's that's something to to connect when we're talking about Barros Esquiloto. He puts his trust in Borre and tell him you're gonna play, you're gonna play, and you're gonna do it. And if you, even if you get mistakes, you're gonna keep playing if I need you. And Borre repays them that that fate, and it's 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 the difference that we can see. And, and I don't want to say that Gachardo is better than Barros Esquilot or, or whatever, whichever discuss that we, we can have about that. I'm just saying that Gachardo knows how to manage the the squad, and it's something I want to come to to put on, on the table because I saw it on Twitter this morning. I don't remember the user, so I'm sorry. Um, that Gachardo lately. It's managing his squad like a basketball coach, like giving minutes wisely and and using uh, Quintero like a six man on basketball, like a Ginobili and on the Spurs lately, um, do, doing that job, you know, closing the games and, and uh, going to the pitch and, and, and finish the finish the shot for the team and give that that uh, fresh air into the attack. So. Again, we're talking about uh, a very wise manager uh, that he's been doing this this uh, good job with River for for a long time now, and, and in, in the, the players replace the fate. And he stated he stated being clear that uh, putting a player in the bench like Quintero doesn't mean that Quintero is not important, and he of course made he may talk this with the players yeah. apart from the media. And uh, uh, in a way, of course, not exactly, but in a way, he reminds me to Bianchi because Bianchi, if he had something good, was that he managed all of the squad, mm. we, having all of the players ready to, to participate. And when uh, a, a single player 
uh, was required to play 15 minutes he did that 15 minutes with his best yeah yeah, yeah it's 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 a common um uh, way to work they have like 15 players instead of 11 that are more um, used than it others and they still have that the, the squad players that five six ten the including the youngsters yeah. to to complete the squad but you have like a big core of 15 players that you rotate around and you know that every time they go into the beach they're gonna give their best and, and it's very wise from 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 Angachado to do it especially uh, with a physical uh, kind of, of game in, in Argentina and in South America then you you may like or not the way that perhaps uh, Gachardo teams play I think that uh, he now it's clearly uh, or River is clearly a team that if you make a mistake the River will bite you yeah and and independently of the style that perhaps nice to watch or not nice to or, or not yeah they adapt River adapt yeah. to to, to yeah. play well and manage to win when they're not play well well they're dirty but they, they know what to do and uh, I, I watched last night match and Uh, a lot of times uh, the defenders didn't uh, put their red face when they had to clear it yeah. in a long way. Yeah. Um, back to the league, because okay. we've not really talked about the Superliga, uh, there's not really a lot of point in going over River's game against uh, Lanús, apart from to note that Quintero did start in that one, so that, that sort of reinforces in a way um, what we're saying about how when, when there's a second string side that needs to be put out, he, he gets to start and that's uh, a good thing for them as well. Um, that 5-1 win over Lanús means that River remain fourth but as I mentioned already there is um, a league leader or there are league leaders to use British English instead in Argentina at the moment and they are five points clear thanks to the fact in large part that Atletico Tucumán or, or perhaps in large part that Atletico Tucumán were one of the teams who had their game called off yep. uh, due to the weather that meant that Atletico Tucumán couldn't play Racing are five clear of Atletico Tucumán who've only played six games, and Devorakan, who've played seven, uh, after a pretty impressive 2-0 win over Argentinos Juniors, made to sweat in the first half and to work hard for it, but in the second half, uh, they they came into themselves. They got a perhaps a slightly fortunate penalty. I don't think I think it was a penalty, just to be clear, but I thought that the manner in which it came about was a little bit on the fortunate side for Racing. And only five minutes into the second half as well um, for Lisandro Lopez to step up and make it 2-0 after Jonathan Cristaldo had, had made it 1-0 at the end of a length of the pitch counter from an Argentinos corner after about 25 minutes when Argentinos threw pretty much everybody forward, which I found a bit weird when it was happening. I was, I was there with one of my friends and, and he actually went, they've not left anybody back for this. <laughs> um, and then it happened. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a decent performance from Racing. Um, And they remain top of the league. Uh, the shot map says it all. Argentinos had one from about 35 yards, and that was it. And uh, Racing had 12 from it, all in and around the box. It, it follows what I said, well, not me, but what uh, Licha Lopez said, and I repeated here, that after uh, the elimination of Colbert Libertadores against River, uh, Lisandro Lopez has the, he's the cut time, right? Yeah, as the captain, as uh, one of the oldest uh, players and more experienced players of the squad, said we have the opportunity to get the leadership and not uh, get uh, not let it. And uh, I mean, to to be the leaders from now on, and they are they are doing that. Uh, so yeah, and Alexandro Lopez, by the way, really impressed me because his age 
Okay, so relatively speaking, it's a, it's a bit of a smaller pitch. But one of the things I like about going to Argentinos occasionally um, is that you're very close to the the pitch, and, and it allows you to um, to appreciate the individual contributions. He was absolutely everywhere. I tweeted at one point that the funniest part of the game was when he dropped back to left back to uh, collect a throw in from a teammate, and then probably fell on his ass whilst trying to pass it. But he was dropping back to left back. I mean, he was frequently dropping back into midfield, and he's not throughout his career been the kind of striker he would classify as a sort of second striker playmaker. He's been more of a goal getter, yeah. um, and so it interests me this sort of evolution um, as, as he as he gets a bit older. Um, and yeah, I mean, you could see him driving his teammates forward. It was uh, a very impressive. I, I read a piece of news the other day uh, about Washina, which is a player that now is at Brown de Drogué. But I think he's from Rosario, mm-hmm. and he said something that is interesting: that if Messi reads a book, 15, 15 million kids will read a book. And it, of course, the distance is big with Lisandro Lopez and Iñazú. If you want, yeah. But if you see Iñazú run, a kid that is 15, 18 years old will run because he's the, the example and the mirror. And for Lisandro Lopez, in, at Racing, it's the same. If you see, if Saracho sees uh, watches. Lisandro Lopez uh, play as a right left back if he needed he will have the same attitude I think yeah yeah it's the congestion of, of the attitude yes. you know to, to if you if you see the, the other player that is supposed to 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 be more experienced and even have all the all the, the title wins and, and all that that uh, career all done and you will think okay he's yes. he been he come back to Argentina just to be comfortable but he clearly yes. doesn't He, he runs and, and, and puts one for, for the team all the time. And yes. Obviously, yeah. you're going to be contentious, but it's a good leader. It's a positive leader. And this, this weekend is going to be an excellent uh, test, both of Lisandro Lopez's leadership abilities um, on the pitch and of Racing's newfound steel under Eduardo Codet because they host Boca Juniors. Yeah, that will be interesting. Great match. Yeah. yeah. Um, Boca would pull themselves back to within three points of the lead if they can win that and obviously Racing would take a huge step at what's going to be already the one third of the way through the season mark um, to towards a potential title if they could uh, win it themselves um, and also sorry uh, I, I think it's going to be also a good um, that you know to, to see where Boca is going Because if they qualify tomorrow against Cruzeiro, maybe they will say, okay, we're going to try to win the Libertadores and not put our effort in the Superliga, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But those, um, we will see tomorrow, I suppose. <laughs> What is for sure, I think, is that Racing will be big favorites against Boca. Yeah. As if, and eventually, if Boca qualifying or not, because I assume they will play with similar team like uh, against the Colón. Or at least m- even more reserve players, uh, as will be three days distance between. Yeah, and they had the, the, the travel yeah. to Brazil. Yes. Elsewhere, the relegation zone, um, we had a bunch of interesting results. Vélez's win over Aldo Sibi has opened up a little bit of a gap for Vélez, and of course, it arrests Aldo Sibi's um, fantastic early season progress. Aldo Sibi themselves are still nowhere near the relegation fight at the moment, um, but if this defeat in I don't know really whether it was one of the toughest tests that they've had so far. I mean, the results suggest it was, obviously, but, you know, in terms of the standing of, of their opponents, 
Um, but if this defeat uh, proves to be the Harbinger, Harbinger, I'm not, I'm not quite sure whether that is a hard or a soft G. Um, do write in if you if you know um, of things to come. Then it, it, it could be um, interesting to see how Aldo CB respond to it. Uh, and for Belles, it was a big win because it lifts them up to 86 points, the top of the relegation zone. San Martín de San Juan have 71. So Belles, 15 points clear now. And that is after winning 11 so far this season. Um, so we said at the beginning of the season in our preview episode that they needed a big response and that they mm-hmm. needed to, to get their asses in gear this year. And they have done um, so far. Um, and which is not a, a minor thing or, or, a, or it, it is something, I think, important that they have a lot of kids which could play well or bad. One, they can win a match and the other lose it, but... Uh, the, the, the team is full of, of kids, of, of players that are from Vélez uh, Youth Divisions. Yeah. Um, San Martín, as I said, were heading for their first win and then didn't win because Banfield got a really late equaliser. Defensa y Justicia, nowhere near the relegation zone. Not sure why I brought them up. Uh, but that 1-0 win away to Godoy Cruz was, was a surprising result. Um, and then back down in the relegation battle, Gimnasia losing 1-0 to Union um, is problematic for Gimnasia. For Union, just like Vélez's win really over Aldo City, yeah. it opened up a bit of a gap for Union. Union at one point off, in fact, better than, than Vélez even. Um, but for Gimnasia, they're on 78 points. They're only seven clear of the relegation zone and they've won more points than anybody else in the relegation zone and the relegation battle at the moment. But they need to make sure they don't get stuck in a rut after that, I yeah. would say. Particularly if Patronato can kick on from that very impressive 2-1 win over Tacheres. Um, so that's the relegation situation at the moment. Um, for now, I think it's time to take a half-time break. Okay. No? Perfect. Yes. Good. When San Lorenzo has a penalty kick against yes. Estudiantes for Copa Argentina. Thank you. Yeah, I only realised this a few minutes ago, which is why I just switched over. We are watching Estudiantes versus San Lorenzo. Um, in the Copa Argentina, I completely forgot that this was on. Playing um, in Mendoza, it's, I think. Yeah, yes. it looks like it, doesn't it? It's currently nil nil, uh, but it might be about. To, yes, it is in Mendoza. Uh, it looks well. We'll tell you in a second, Asha. We'll, we'll take our halftime break as soon as this penalty kick gets around to being taken. If Andujar wants to, because, might be a while, <laughs> because Mariano Andujar is being an arsehole. It's tremendously exciting for you all to listen to this, I realise. I was expecting it to be taken a bit more quickly. Here we go. And San Lorenzo are now 1-0 up. Who is that? Mochi, I think. Oh, yes, yep. it is. Well, I was going to say, that's not Nicolas Blandi. Why isn't Nicolas Blandi taking the, um, the, the penalty? The reason being that he's not on the pitch. Um, so there we go. It's 1-0 to San Lorenzo a few minutes before half-time in the Copa Argentina. I almost said Libertadores there. Um, and we're going to refill our glasses and we will be back... Shortly, this is half-time of Hand of Pod. back it's now half time in the Copa Argentina where San Lorenzo managed to hold on to that 1-0 uh, lead for three minutes after scoring it and we've been joined by the cat 
who's now walking across my computer keyboard and blocking my route to the microphone. So if, I, if my voice just got a tiny bit quieter, uh, then that's why. Um, she's had her nails clipped, so I'm going to allow her here for a minute, as long as she doesn't annoy undress too much. For some reason, she always seems to go for undress, I don't know why. Uh, anyway, welcome, Latrice, to the podcast, and we will get on with answering some listeners' questions, I think. Have okay. we got anything else to talk about before we do so? Do we? We have a um, international break for coming on. I'm, I'm sure you, you went to the list. That's a good point, and we should um, talk about that, actually, because... Uh, I'm not going to be here. I, I suspect that the next episode that we record will be a reaction to Argentina versus Brazil. Um, a good test for Scaloni and the players he picked. Yes. Do we have a list of them somewhere? Has anyone got one up already on their phone, or shall I bring it up here? Um, he was criticised while you are uh, searching for the list. I, I know that Di Maria is not very happy about the list. But I think it was a long time coming from a little bit of a renewal in the Argentina team. Even if the, the Scaloni being the, the the manager may not uh, be something uh, uh, that lasts a long enough time. He's but showing a willingness to call up players that... To make some unorthodox calls, let's say. Yeah, he wants to... He knows that... In some uh, way, he knows that perhaps he may get the job. Mm. And he knows that if he does get the job, he has four years to try and get to the World Cup. So it's a good time to experiment better than any other time. I I prefer to be experimental now than two months before the World Cup. Um, Like Mr... Ex manager San Paoli. San Paoli. Yeah. Yeah. To that put boost us as a having a good game against Spain and not being called up, for example. Yeah. Um, the name I'm most surprised by on the balance of it, I think, is Juan Foyt of yeah. Tottenham. Yeah. We've heard of him, of course. I think we've been asked about him in fact a few times on Hand Pod. Um, when he first left Estudiantes for Spurs. It was Estudiantes, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yes. good. Just making sure my memory wasn't playing tricks on me. Um my understanding is that he's not played an awful lot for Spurs. No, he didn't play this season yet. Uh, he played a little bit uh, last season, especially in FA Cup and, and what is now the Carabao Cup. Um, with a decent turnout, because clearly he's, he's quite young. I think he's the younger, uh, youngest of the list, uh, and until Palacios was uh, injured. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he, he, he put up put a performance you you will expect from a youngster. He was very confident on the ball on the ball. That was why he was seen and from by Pochettino and and be um, you know in a battle in a transfer battle with with PSG uh, back in, in the last year um, to, to 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 sign Juan Foyt. Um, he was very confident on the ball. He was very good. Um, Playing and, and going into aerial battles, but sometimes he lost the the the, the concentration and lost the, the mark of the of the different strikers he had to to put up against. And you will imagine 
that given it was FA Cup and Carabao Cup, it would be like second string strikers of the championship or the League One, League Two. And it might be worrisome, but I think he has a bright future. I don't think he's going to play a lot in Argentina this, this um, few um, friendly matches. But I do, I do think uh, for Pochettino, it's the natural replacement for, for uh, Bertongan or Levero coming. Okay. So supposing that and sometimes they, they will leave uh, Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, I just would have liked to see him play a little bit more and get a bit more experience before becoming an international. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was too experimental but, for you. <laughs> uh, but then again, Javier Mascherano played for Argentina before he played for River Plate's first team. We've got another one recently, haven't we? Also at River, who's played, I think it was before the 2014 World Cup, so yeah. I gave him a cap in the last friendly. I can't remember who it was. Um, but anyway. Mamana, probably. Well done, yeah, I think it yeah, was, was Mamana. Yeah. Um, the goalkeepers for the squad, I'll take you through the squad as a whole now, are Franco Armani of River Plate, Sergio Romero of Manchester United Reserves, and Geronimo Rulli. Even if the planters dropped by Real Sociedad yeah. after what I hear on Twitter uh, from a couple of Spanish uh, football experts has been a consistently awful, roughly eighteen months now. Not not just a bad start to this season, but apparently it was dreadful all of last season as well. Um, so he's still in the Argentina squad. Which yeah, but I mean the, the time to call Rolly. I will do this quickly because we we have to 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 go through the squad. But the, I think the time to to his call up was. Very well, much before, like some somewhere within the process going to to the last World Cup. Not now. Clearly, his confidence is low, and he's doing some some very bad mistakes. But well, I think I'm glad uh, he's called up finally. But well, let's see how that plays in the confidence. And the defenders, Nicolas Otamendi is back um, of Manchester City. Renzo Saravia, the racing right back. Fabrizio Bustos. Of Independiente makes it an all Avellaneda right back pairing. Uh, Germán Petzela of Fiorentina, Ramiro Funes Mori of Villarreal, Nicolás Tagliafico of Ajax, Walter Kahneman of Gremio, Alan Franco of Independiente, and Juan Foyt, as we've mentioned already, of Tottenham. I think the, 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 the standout is Tagliafico mm-hmm. having a very good season at, at Ajax. Uh, I had the, the luck to to be cut off by the Eredivisie and watching a lot of a lot of the games of Ajax, and to, to do it, he's doing very well. I uh, might be seeing him because I'm going to Amsterdam for a few days oh, really? start November, and Ajax are at home to. I apologise to any Dutch listeners if I'm mispronouncing this, but I think it's Willem Spey or Willem Spey or something. Yeah. Um, and I am planning to try and get a ticket for it, so I might see him live. Well, I, I, I have tickets for December two against Adolfo Hack. Oh. Yep, so we both may see. Well, I have no tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Unlucky, Andres. Uh, midfielders. Marcos Acuna is back in the midfield list. He's no longer a fullback, apparently, of sporting. Uh, Leandro Paredes of Zenit. Giovanni Locelso of Real Betis. Santiago Ascasibar of Stuttgart. Ezequiel Palacios of River was called up, but was injured last night um, during the match. It was last night, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. During, yeah. Of course it was um, during the match against Independiente, uh, so he will not be playing. He's uh, suffered a minor tear to his adductor, so he's going to just about miss the tour, I think, and then he's probably going to be back afterwards. Apparently, it's not a really serious injury, but it's enough to keep him out. Rodrigo Battaglia of Sporting um, as well, Franco Vasquez of Sevilla, 
Maxi Mesa of Independiente, still an Argentina international. I'm starting to wonder why. Roberto Pereira of Watford. Do, do, doing well with Watford. A fully deserved call-up. Yep. Um, Rodrigo De Paul of Udinese, Eduardo Salvio of Benfica, and Franco Serbi of Benfica. And up front, two Internazionale um, players, Mauro Icardi and Lautaro Martinez. Paolo Di Bala of Juventus, who scored a hat-trick earlier today, I think I'm right to say. Uh, Giovanni Simeone of Fiorentina, Cristian Pavon of Boca, Angel Correa of Atletico de Madrid, and Gonzalo Martinez of River, who is listed as a striker rather than as a, play, um, a midfielder. Yeah. Um, I like the list. Except balanced. for Pavon and Mesa, who are not playing that ball right now. Yeah. Uh, I think the other. And, and Foyt, there is a big. But if o- Otamendi is, I think, from this. Tr- uh, for, uh, uh, from the historic players, I think that only Otamendi is there, mm. and I think that perhaps Foyt is there to gain experience and to to feel what is a, to be called up for a national team than that than really play. Yeah, and, be, and uh, shadow a little bit Otamendi, suppose. Yes. yes. Sergio Romero's there, and I think he. It's fair to call ah, him okay, one yes. of the historicos as well, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Of the outfield ones, um, he's the only one. It is it's interesting, <laughs> uh, and you have players that are. Deserving the call up, like we, we said, like Roberto Pereira, he's coming back after a few years out of the Argentinian team and he's doing really well at Watford. The entire Watford team is doing really well. Um, and he's not ignoring the local league and choosing wisely uh, which one of the local league players to be called up. And I think it's a balanced squad. I think that we will be um, unfair to judge this tour by results because probably Brazil is going to go with a full strength squad probably maybe not Neymar for example but I don't think it's going to be a, like the even, even of contest um, but I, I like this one yes. I, I dare to say that of course nothing compares to a World Cup but the job that Scaloni is doing now will the one who will uh, like to do is uh, Sampoli. I don't know if he didn't want to or didn't could didn't, or he wasn't able to to do because he of course he was close to a World Cup and he couldn't call players that you say oh okay I will watch him play and see what whether he can uh, stay at the national team like for example Palacios that well, now he's injured but he was uh, called up and uh, responded okay or well or very well and now he sh- he should Unless he, uh, only because he's injured, he's not. Uh, he won't be able to play. But he was uh, uh, one of the discoveries from Scaloni that uh, could be a good, a good piece. And well, Sampoli was uh, apparently, or at, at first, he he uh, was said to 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 do this or to renew. Uh, uh, parts of the school and and, and and he couldn't or he, or he wanted he didn't want to but now Scaloni is doing this and and, uh, and it's okay of course we don't know whether and this was asked uh, some time ago by by some listeners that uh, whether Scaloni could, uh, had chances to to stay and uh, until now he 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 has that ch- chances and we, we will see what happens next. But on the, the other hand, you can't, uh, like Tony said, you can't uh, evaluate or, or say if the job of 
of the work that Scaloni is doing is okay because of the results, uh, because they are friendlies, even when they are FIFA, the eights and Brazil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll move on to listeners' questions, I think. Lee Bartlett says, if and when San Lorenzo eventually move back to Boedo, what will happen to the current San Lorenzo stadium? Who would want to move in there? No one. I think the most likely thing is that it'll be knocked down and they'll, San Lorenzo, of course, will still own the ground and um, they'll be using it as some sort of training facility or club facility or whatever. But Marino, I think, that said something last week. And also Lamens, the president of San Lorenzo, talked about the numbers or the, well, the money that San Lorenzo should, should have to put should, should put in, in order to, to build a new stadium and that will be... A, Something that uh, similar to seventy-five million dollars or yeah. something like that. Wow, it's a lot more money than anybody in Argentina has at the yes. moment. Yeah, or at least anybody in Argentina and who's not a member of um, the political class. Yeah, and to give a little bit of context, uh, this the Sarenza Stadium is not exactly in the best place in Buenos Aires. No, which be considered. I mean, yeah, uh, Lee is um, fully aware of where it is in fact he's, he's, he's been there but uh, yeah it's right next to a big slum for the benefit of leaders yeah. who, who haven't um, come to Argentina and been to a San Lorenzo game um, I would be surprised if, it, if any other club moves in there I would think that the, the area around it will continue to be a predio for San Lorenzo for a while um, River in English says trying to make head and tail of Gremio who of course are River's Copa Libertadores semi-final opponents we didn't mention Gremio against Atletico Tucumán Yes, there wasn't an awful lot to talk about, but we apologise, Atletico Tucumán fans. I'll very quickly do so now. Gremio beat Atletico Tucumán, unsurprisingly, in the quarterfinal of the Libertadores to set up a semi against River. Um, it was two nil in the first leg. You'll remember it finished four nil last night for a six nil aggregate win. Um, I'm remembering that correctly, aren't yes. I? Yeah. Uh, with Cristian Lucchetti, uh, Atletico Tucumán's goalkeeper, getting sent off um, and giving away a penalty for the. Was it the third goal? The second? I can't remember. Um, at any rate, it, it wasn't great for Atletico to come out. They had a man sent off in each leg. Uh, difficult to argue with either of them, I thought. Um, and, yeah, that. So anyway, to go back to River in English's question, any thoughts on why an average Estudiantes team was so close to knocking Gremio out when a good Atletico to come side were battered by them? Well, a little bit. Uh, uh, someone on Twitter said that Estudiantes had that, that mystic... The cup mystic. Yeah, I thought that the guy on Twitter was, was being a bit of a dick, to be honest. Because, I mean, yeah. what, what the guy on Twitter... I assume that he's not listening. So, sorry if I've just called you a dick and you are a listener. <laughs> said, I mean, it, it, it's a bloke with a Spanish language uh, river. Yeah. Very much river um, uh, Twitter handle. So I'm assuming it's not a regular listener. He said, Tucumán got an unfair red in the first leg when it was nil one I disagree quite strongly with the idea that a red card for stamping on another player's back is unfair. And they were playing well. Um, but then somebody else, Andre Ferreira, says because Estudiantes have four Libertadores, history and tradition counts. Actually, no, it doesn't count. It's football. Yeah. There's 11 players uh, running around <laughs> against another, another 11. I, I think that Gremio is starting to understand how to play the Copa Libertadores, that sometimes you have to win badly, and when you have to put up your best uh, football, you do it because you have the opportunity to do it and it's, it's a clever way to play the Copa Libertadores it's, it's, it won't, won't be the first team to win a Copa Libertadores like that anyway it is possible for Atletico Tucumán to be so excited uh, to be at the quarterfinals of a Copa Libertadores and, and something that uh, they 
they they never dream dreamed about dream about uh, yeah. and that that could have uh, 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 yeah. something to do with their their well lack of perhaps um, that that you need to 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 play cooperators like Gremio did. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, one, the other thing yeah. is that one of the reasons Estudiantes are doing quite poorly in the Superliga at the moment is they have thrown all of their eggs early on. They threw all their eggs into the Libertadores basket and tried to beat Gremio in their round of 16 game. Failed to do so. It cost them momentum-wise. Um, but also the club, whilst I don't agree that the three Copas Libertadores that Estudiantes won in the 60s and in 1970 had very much at all, if anything, to do with um, with, with them almost putting Gremio out this that, time. If you have that mystique and the history, Th- there they is can't a, uh, score a goal... Uh, uh, in the last minute, like Gremio did, I guess. No, yeah. exactly. And, but but I do think that there, there's something to be said for having that kind of uh, memory and knowledge around the club. There, there are people in the Estudiantes hierarchy who can remember yeah. and, and who have experience of other continental runs. There are very few people in the Atletico Tucumán hierarchy yeah. who know what it's like to take a club through. Um, those kind of runs because they've only really been in continental competition for the last two years um, so it's a learning process for Atletico Tucumán even though if they were to play Estudiantes this weekend I would absolutely back them to win I'll just make sure they're not I, I, I know that Estudiantes for example uh, the no they're not Miron, the president of Estudiantes hmm. uh, sometimes sometimes ago he brought historic players to the, to the, to the dressers to the, to the school for them to know what they History, what yeah. was to play Copa Libertadores, yeah, and who was enough. competitions, <laughs> and, and that is nothing has nothing to do with the matches uh, they play against Gremio in this Copa Libertadores. Of course, that's good to for the players to have that, like they feel that they are they are students that they are from they yeah. belong to students, but does even that doesn't uh, count to play a match against Gremio for yeah. Copa Libertadores? Yeah. And the other thing is the Gremio, frankly, weren't that good against the Estudiantes. They improved. Um, and I, I don't think that it's going to be a walkover for River by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not sure who's who are favourites, really. But it's going to be an interesting semi-final. Yes. Oscar Per Mulder says, Do you see the Skelotto twins continuing in Boca after December? Would a hypothetical Libertadores title give them a new contract or maybe see them still leaving? Well, we talked a little bit about this earlier. I think in their mind they kind of consider that they won't stay very long even if they win Libertadores it would be maybe a good way to live right okay we won the Libertadores mm. goodbye <laughs> this is this is us dropping down the curtain um I, I don't think it's gonna last a lot a lot longer for the Esqueleto uh, guys in the, in the, in the Boca Juniors dressing room yes I, I don't know if, well you may agree or not but I don't see them happy there uh, as the coaches of of Boca um, like they feel they are all the time uh, well of course uh, evaluated which is natural but they, they are they I don't think they feel comf- comfortable with that and with the old situation that every time Boca is like for example against River there were a fight a fight a discussion between uh, Mauro Zarate and, and Cardona one insulting the other uh, that that it's something that has to do the, with the, I think, the, the environment that yeah. is in the inside the squad, hmm. and, and that, of course, Guillermo or, or doesn't worry about it, or he can't uh, do anything, or he knows that anytime he will leave and, and yeah, he he understands that he 
won't be able to do anything. Yes, like yeah. maybe the dressing room is too strong for for him to handle around. I, I, I can't. Whatever happens, I can't see see Barros and Gilotto still being in charge um, come February. Yeah, um, I'd be surprised. Uh, Phil Carney says I'd be interested in hearing some outside opinion on Lanus' survival prospects over the next two seasons. The Promedios are already looking incredibly grim, and if we survive this year, we lose a fifty-point season towards the average. We're screwed, right? Um, very hard, yeah. Yeah, um, there were thirty games, weren't there, in the twenty fifteen season? Because that was a thirty team season, and there yeah. was a classical round, uh, which means that when um, next season st- at, at present, if we don't count the twenty fifteen season, Lanús have got thirty one points from thirty four matches. Yeah, um, which is not good. What is good for Lanús is that they always constantly have a good. Um, oh, hang on! This isn't 2015, though, is it? This is <laughs> they, they have well, the way a... that this app is laid out. Is quite <laughs> I'm going to look this up separately. Carry on, Tony. Uh, they they have a good uh, group of, of young players that maybe with a good guidance, like usually happens in Lanús, may come around and have a good season, and even maybe try to. It's it's very difficult to. To, to predict this kind of stuff in Argentinian football, especially with some teams that sometimes are uh, looking that they may fight for relegation and then suddenly they not, like probably, I don't know, Belles, Newell, sorry, yeah? No, no, carry on. Oh, okay, um, like Belles, Lanús, um, uh, Newell's that sometimes they appear like in being danger, but suddenly they have a good season and they not. Yeah. It's kind of hard to predict. But it's not like Patronato, San Martín de San Juan, San Martín de Tucumán, they are bound to be uh, in danger of navigation. No. Um, the app on my phone that I've got has not updated the season numbers from last season. So I've still got 15, 16, 17 showing up, and it should say 16, 17, 18. Um, which is why I got confused. So the 50-point season that Lanus had was the 2016-17 okay. um, season, which... And I think would include their transition win, but I'm not sure. Um, yes, it did. It gets messy. <laughs> I can't really remember. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they've got a lot of points coming off the board. Um, they're certainly going to be losing more points, just looking at this very quickly, than anybody outside the top 10 in the promi- in the Promedio table at the moment. Newells have got 49 points coming off, and they're only a point of a two points above Lanús in the current relegation table um, so yeah it, it's going to be problematic for Lanús if they can't pick things up in the rest of the season basically yep. yes afraid to say Phil um, I mean, they have kids sorry they have kids that play well like De La Vega like uh, any other like Maciel for example mm. but uh, they have individual kids that play well and this, they have still of course a long way to go and there is a phrase uh, that I think that for these cases uh, applies um, is that you can win matches with kids but not titles and yeah. and uh, when uh, the potatoes burn like you say here like uh, <laughs> uh, you have to to perhaps uh, play with more mature players than the kids that to stand that pressure is perhaps be, uh, a big thing and and, and it's un- unfair to put them all, all all together in in a in the pitch and, and try to sa- say for example a news from the relegation, if they had to, yeah, so I think it's uh, that is yeah, it's, it's a combination of factors. Yes. You know, the, the, maybe you will have a couple of key experienced players in in key positions, 
and have a good manager to uh, take the best of both kids and, and, and well, so well, yeah I think has a, a good hand for that for yeah. kids and, and now oh no they know he knows the the, the yeah divisions yeah, yeah. Spe speaking of that we've just this second had an email in uh, from Ese Todoroki who says what do you make of Pedro de la Vega is he a potential star in the making um, and we can tie it in with what Andres was just this second saying I think that there's a lot of pressure um, coming through at Lanús at the moment that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't cope with it I mean there was something similar when you saw Eric Lamela for instance coming through at River in what yeah. turned out to be River's relegation season um, but it is not the ideal scenario to no, introduce no, 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 no. such a young player in uh, having said that the good thing is looks Lanus... like their best player in the last couple of yeah, weeks yeah but the good so. thing is Lanús is not River yeah it's no, a different well. kind of play of, of pressure sorry mm. uh, to, to, to put in your your shoulders uh, between fighting a relegation battle with Lanús and fighting a relegation battle with, with River I don't think that the Lanús player is going to be wild if they got relegated eventually yeah um, Darren Paul says if you've not already spoken about it what impact is being felt in the league by the financial crisis befalling Argentina right now also wasn't Macri meant to be a money guy Okay, I mean, to the second question, the answer is yes. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna answer with the with that. Uh, I would put the, the the meme saying a correlation. <laughs> <laughs> and to, I mean, to the first question, I just I think it's a little bit overstated because it's not as if the Argentine economy was in fantastic shape um, before this this current crisis. Since I've been here for eight and a half years, there's been thirty percent inflation to forty percent inflation annually basically the entire time. The peso, apart from a pretty brief um, blip where it remained more or less stable for most of Macri's first year and a half in office because it turns out you know, the, the bank were obviously fixing it at a rate without really saying very much. Um, apart from that, the peso has been tanking. And so the issues that Argentine clubs are being felt, uh, are feeling at the moment are the same as they did under the previous. No, but the, I think the, thing, the, the real problem for teams... Here is that uh, in six months the uh, dollar went to from 20 to 40 pesos mm. a dollar, uh, which means that perhaps the contracts in some cases perhaps may have to be rediscussed. Or yeah, yeah. The contracts of Argentine players who've come back after a spell in Europe or in North America or in Asia, um, and obviously the contracts of any foreign players here. Um, are, are denominated in US dollars normally with a ceiling as to how high it yeah. can go but they're now as Andres says going to have to be renegotiated because the peso fell so rapidly or if you're a member of the Argentine um, press corps then the dollar rose so rapidly because that's for some reason the way that people report it <laughs> um, what actually happened obviously is that the peso was tanking yeah. I was listening um, to, to it fell so rapidly that it, it surpassed this uh, uh, the ceiling so I think I read that Quintero's contract at River is based on him earning X number of dollars per month paid in pesos but at a maximum rate because he signed it at the start of the year at a maximum rate of up to 30 pesos when I think when he signed the, the exchange rate was around 20, 20 um, yeah, pesos 19, to the dollar yeah. um, and it's now at 40 um, so he's get he's earning far fewer pesos than he was expecting to in January and so his contract would have to be renegotiated yeah. for example I was listening to um, Rivers President 
suddenly can't remember the name. Donofrio. Rodolfo Donofrio. Yeah, uh, uh, he was giving a, uh, an interview before the game uh, against Independiente, talking a little bit about the, the, the economy situation, especially about Prato and how he was um, by in dollar rate, because obviously he came from the Brazilian league. And he said, well, there's no problem because uh, it was the operation was done before and it was already under, under the budget. And obviously it's, it's, it's going to be felt like in, in, in two ways. First, and, and, and obviously uh, how um, Argentinian teams are, are going to buy players from outside, from, from foreign uh, league players, if they do, because that was a big if, if they mm -hmm. do. Maybe the dream um, comeback of, well, Aguero won't come back now, clearly. But maybe Macherano, it was a, maybe a rumor that Donofrio said it, it was impossible and to, to put, to, to, uh, put the, the, the contract on pesos, it would be like uh, totally uh, idiotic to do it because obviously they're yeah. the, the gaining a lot more outside. And, and, and another thing that can happen, especially in, a sm in the smaller teams, is to sell, sell outside. Um, especially I think the MLS is going to come knocking the door into young players that's a kind of a pattern is going lately with, with Barco and Almiron mm -hmm. um, going to the United States um, to, to play in the MLS and you know give some dollars into the the, 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 the arcs of the Argentinian teams I think that, that but it, ha it happened a lot of times before when, exactly. when we have this, these situations you have to sell your best two players to, to a foreign league and, and, and hope that that money it's enough to s support your budget you have for the year exactly yeah uh, it's nothing that they're not used to dealing with essentially uh, Liam Kelly says should River be more worried by the cup killers Sarmiento de Resistencia than by Gremio no <laughs> I don't think so. That um, quarter, it's a quarter final, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It was confirmed today. I think it might have been confirmed while we were talking, actually. Um, yes. It's going to be taking place on Sunday because River Plate's uh, Superliga match this coming weekend um, has been uh, postponed as a result of the Buenos Aires 2018 Youth Olympic Games kicking off this weekend, as has Huracans. Um, so those two games won't be taking place. Oh, I've just switched back over, by the way. I'm talking off the Copa Argentina. San Lorenzo found an equaliser against the Estudiantes. There's no, no Estudiantes half an hour ago. Oh, you're right. Yes, of course. Thank you. Of no worries. It's, no. Um, <coughs> it's now 1-1. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I think the Gremio are going to be tougher. For River, personally. Particularly in River's current form. Oh, I just remembered. I meant to mention it earlier. Um... River, you might remember this if, if you listened last last week, um, but the fact that River avoided defeat against Lanús on Friday evening in quite comfortable fashion, and then also avoided defeat against Independiente, means that this is now River's joint longest unbeaten run ever. They're 31 matches without a defeat. Obviously, that's in competitive matches, because yeah. they lost that friendly thing to Tachederes. Um But uh, in the competitive games... is for Boca 40 matches... Yeah, 49. 49. Yeah. Uh, 49? Oh. Yeah. Uh, 49? But for, I wasn't 39. for River, it is the joint longest. They've had two longer runs. One was in 2014-15, I think it was. Um, one was in 1923 or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the answer to your question, Liam, is no. Although I suspect it wasn't a serious question. Yeah. Um, maybe Sarmiento or Resistencia have the 
advantage if you want to use that word that for River Gremio is more easy to scout uh-huh. rather than Sarmiento Resistencia but sure. <laughs> it's just a, a, a no the, the, the only thing is that of course Sarmiento Resistencia is a not non-defeat match you can't lose against Sarmiento and against Gremio you can lose if, of course uh, River supporters and well River would be upset if they uh, get eliminated in semi-finals even when there is uh, uh, last night Gallardo was mentioned mm. that uh, uh, from out of four Copa Libertadores they reached three semi-finals uh, which is of course good but they they, they will want to advance of course to the final but uh, if they lose it will be previable but you can't lose against Sarmiento that's yeah. just the, uh, no. the only okay. difference Lawrence Hart says what are the chances of Paolo Gazzaniga or Gazzaniega Gazzaniga Gazzaniga yeah uh, becoming the first ex-Gillingham player Gillingham player to play for Argentina what a question <laughs> you, you were saying Tony earlier actually about him that uh, he's played for Spurs a little bit this season hasn't he yeah he was um, had the, the chance to play with yeah he, he played for, for the cup and played for the Premier League too because first uh, Hugo Lloris was um, injured supposedly because if some of the listeners remember, he was detained by the police because he was drunk driving, basically. Ah. Yep. Um, so uh, we don't actually know if it was a real injury. Um, Michel Born, the, the, the Dutch goalkeeper, uh, filled up and got... He wasn't bad, but he wasn't clearly doing his best, especially against uh, Inter de Milan in the Champions League. So Mauricio Pochettino said that he was injured too and tried to play uh, Paulo Gazzaniga that we we uh, the, the sports um, uh, supporters we were really a bit concerned because we remember he, the, 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 the performance of, of Gazzaniga to Hampton um, but he did really well and uh, yeah, we were surprised especially against Watford in the penalty kicks and then um, the, his top two uh, he, he did pretty well. I don't know the chances of playing the Argentinian team. That's we, if he's going to get a chance, it's going to be under Scaloni. Yeah, of course. But also you have to see if the if because Choris was back today against Barcelona and he was awful. To be fair, um, so maybe he. But maybe might not play. I mean, given that given the fight's been called off. Uh, oh, Romero not playing and Romero yeah, yeah maybe, may, maybe. I don't know it's 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 hard to tell also you you will have to 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 see that Rulli was right now being called up like we, we discussed earlier after years of, of, of people saying well why not why not really he's mm. been a, a starter for 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 Sociedad and doing well and you have uh, other um, other examples in, in in even in the in the Premier League with with um, this, this this kid in, in Arsenal that now is not a kid he's 25 Martinez he was yeah. from, from Independiente or, or Speroni it's it's hard for the goalkeeper to to play in Argentinian team is if you're not Sergio Romero basically yeah um, Ronnie Mazunda says if it's not too late words on Maxi Mesa's performance against River he was very average <laughs> I've seen Independiente every now and then why is he still in national team contention I noticed that in, oh right that's a separate question so I'll ask afterwards um, I said the same thing earlier. I just, yes, I don't really know. But Lack that, of a better yeah. option. 
We, we agree with you, basically, Ronnie. Um, and then Ronnie also says, I noticed that in the Libertadores, teams do play with more open space, unlike in Europe. Is this very common? Yeah. Yeah, you have to put into... Something that it was very... Uh, it's very common to, to South American players when they come to... to they and not come, go, sorry, to, to Europe, is they have to relearn tactical um, basics... Mm-hmm. And you you don't play with the same tactical awareness in, in South America. You're a little bit more free to to how you how you play. And suddenly, yeah, that makes you have more space to play. Indeed, that's it. Those are all of our listeners' questions. Um, we will be back very shortly after this theme music for Mystic Sam's predictions. I didn't ask for any challenges this week uh, because I'm going away this weekend, so I won't be able to count the scores up. Or, I mean, I'll be able to, but I probably won't because I'll be on holiday. Um, so after this music, you'll hear my predictions for a weekend of footballing action that I'm not going to watch. Don't go away. There are no games on Friday evening uh, because of the River and Huracan matches being postponed, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. So we begin on Saturday at lunchtime with Aldo Civi versus San Martín de Tucumán, which I think will be an Aldo Civi victory. Um, I need to note these down so that I can put them on the blog, I just realised. Gimnasia uh, versus Godoy Cruz. I fancy Godoy Cruz to get back to winning ways there in La Plata. San Martín de San Juan against Vélez, I think is going to be a Vélez win. I'm going to go for Independiente to get an away win over Patronato. Banfield versus San Lorenzo. Looks like a draw to me. Atletico Tucumán versus Lanús. I can only see that being an Atletico victory as they take out their continental frustrations on um, on last season's finalists in the Libertadores. Uh, Rosario Central versus Union. Mm. That's, that's a tricky one. I'm going to go for a draw. I think I'm going to sit on the fence. Uh, <laughs> Tacheres versus Belgrano, the Clásico Cordobese. I'm going to go for Tacheres. I'm also going to ask Tony, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, th- I think Tacheres in, in my way. And, and, and I predict a lot, a lot of Ahmed and people getting into, into fight. Controversial call, perhaps. <laughs> uh, Racing versus Boca is the tie of the round without any question. I think... On current form, I'm going to go for Racing to win that one. Um, and then on Monday evening, two games to finish off the round. Tigre versus Estudiantes, I think looks like a draw. And Colón versus Newell's Old Boys, I think is going to be a Colón victory. There are a few interesting games this weekend, yep. having just read the list for the first time. Um, it's a shame River against Defensio Justicia is postponed, because those are two teams who play the right way. Um, but, uh, it'll, it'll be played that's another point obviously um, and yeah no, apart from that, I, I like the look of Racing versus Boca that's obviously the standout fixture yeah. but the, the classical um, should be decent as well Banfield versus San Lorenzo I can see being sort of grimly entertaining in that well how boring could yeah, they and, and I think Rosario Central and Union I think the the, the, the the team from Santa Fe might Try to to show the credentials to try to fight for a continent spot, maybe with mm-hmm. with a way win. And Rosario Central is always difficult, even if they have the the, the trouble, the problems with uh, any given time playing in, in, in Rosario. It's, uh, it's a tough 
place to, to go. Um, but Union maybe tried to, 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 do, to do that, you know, against Racing they lost, they mm, fight for a draw, and maybe they, they, they're trying to get that continental credentials yeah. renew. Although I suspect that will be quite low scoring, they've only scored 11 yeah. goals between them in, in 14 games in total, obviously between them. Um, so, yeah, possibly not a classic, but it could be interesting. Um, and I'll be interested to see how Godoy Cruz recover on, um, on... Well, I won't be interested to see, because as I said, I, I won't see it. I'll be on a plane. Um, but I will be interested to hear how Godoy Cruz recover, um, and indeed whether they recover from that uh, somewhat surprising loss to defence of at home uh, the weekend just gone. Um, that's it. If you're a listener to Underpod Extra, then you would have got an extra episode which we're about to record and which you've probably already listened to before hearing this. Um, so thank you very much, as ever, to, for being a Patreon supporter. Remember, if you want to sign up, then you've basically got two months um, to do so because I'm going to be pausing Patreon donations for November because I'm, I'll be away. Um, but if you want to, then it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Hand of Pod. Um, we are enormously grateful to all of our, our supporters on there. Um, and there are exciting things happening in and around the Patreon page um, when I get back from Argentina. We're hoping to uh, be able to give you some news on that front in a few weeks' time. For now, you'll talk. You'll hear from us again. I'll talk to you again um, probably in a couple of weeks' time or just over a couple of weeks' time, as I said, after Argentina v Brazil, which is on the 16th that's two weeks yesterday that's the day that I get to England so hopefully I'll be able to Skype Dan and we'll be able to record um, a podcast between us then the quality might not be quite it is now sound quality wise I mean uh, because it'll be recorded over Skype but hopefully we'll be able to get something online for you and for now it's thanks and goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye from Tony bye and from me goodbye Well, very quick update. The um, Copa Argentina match between Estudiantes and San Lorenzo has now finished, and San Lorenzo won it. It was 3-1, the full-time score. Talk to you soon.